Welcome to the Inner Ray Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss how relationships are the most meaningful part of life. Join us every week to hear inspiring stories of people living through their inner ray. We invite you to find the radiant, authentic energy that lives inside you to make your life and relationships easier. Hey everyone! Hello! So excited to be here today and we are super excited about today's episode. Today we are going to be talking about intimacy as a spectrum and we'll dive into all the things that that means. But for now, I'm Katie and I'm so excited to be here with you all. And I'm Erin and we are the co-hosts of the Inner Ray podcast. Let's dive in! Hmm. I realized I just said excited about four times. Yeah. (laughs) I'm an excited person. Let's just say that. Um, But also intimacy is such a rich topic and there are so many different ways that we can define intimacy. And we're going to go into all the different things and the ways that it shows up in our lives, the conditions for it, the things that block it. Um, but I think just to start, what I'd love to to plant a seed around is intimacy is really just closeness. And I think another important piece is into me. You see, I think we've said this on a previous podcast, but intimacy ultimately starts with yourself, right? And the only way to to really heal your inner wounding and and heal your relationships is by starting with yourself and creating a safe and secure, intimate relationship with yourself. And um, Erin yesterday did this awesome workshop. And so we talked on the phone yesterday and she was sharing with me a lot of these aha moments that came from the folks that she was working with. And I was like, hmm, this would be a perfect topic. I think I know what I, I speak for myself when I say that I learn a lot through hearing people's experiences and hearing people's aha moments. And so we wanted to open up this space so that she could kind of share some of the things that went down in this workshop so that hopefully people can um, get a chance to hear some of the ways that intimacy shows up in our lives and the ways that we can tend to it and nurture it within ourselves and within our relationships. So with that, Erin, do you want to give us a little bit of a background of kind of what this workshop was around yesterday and um, some of the things that showed up in the beginning and and throughout the end of this workshop. Absolutely. So I was bringing this workshop to a group of women who are in their first year or so of recovery from drugs and alcohol. And this this particular pace is is specifically for women who have had a lot of struggles in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I was asked to bring this material, I really wanted to make sure that it would land and it wouldn't just be about giving them a bunch of information, Mm -hmm. right? And one of the, I am an educator by, by, trade by nature. I mean, being a coach is, is not very different from being a teacher. I mean, different audiences, but there's a lot of things that are similar. And also one of my beliefs is that we teach and learn what we learn best when we're able to have an experience with it. Mm -hmm. So 
With all of that, I wanted to give them something very specific and useful and not necessarily go into all of the backstory. So I picked a portion of the anatomy of relationship curriculum, just Mm -hmm. a sliver of it. Um, Two parts, really. Mm -hmm. How we speak about attachment theory and then how that connects to the spectrum of intimacy. And so the lead in with, with these specific women, um, because I, I understand I'm in long-term recovery. I understand what it's like to be a year or less sober is, mm-hmm. Hey, how many people in here identify with really wanting to have relationships, but not necessarily knowing how, or feeling like they didn't get the handbook on how to do mm-hmm. that course, everyone raised their hand (laughs) because I mean, you don't even have to be in recovery from drugs and alcohol to identify with that. But if you're, if you're at a place where you're living in a structured environment, because your relationship with drugs and alcohol took you to that place, I would imagine your relational life um, is struggling. So I started there. um, And then I said, uh, and how many people only really know how to go from all or nothing relationally. And then everybody raised their hands. Mm-hmm. So I then went into talking about how um, intimacy is on a spectrum mm-hmm. and that yes, on one end of the spectrum is no contact, no intimacy. And on the other end of the spectrum is sacred. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole lot in between. And, and most people who struggle relationally are very uncomfortable with how to navigate the in-between, right? Um, and so the whole workshop was was with that premise. We also started out with a lot of kind of psychoeducation about the four primary attachment styles. And listen, if you're out there and you're a psychiatrist or a therapist, there's a lot of different language about how to speak about this. But the way that we do it here at Array is I've made it really simple, not the person that invented this, but it is the style I've adopted, which is that um, we there's basically four quadrants, right? So if you have low anxiety relationally and low avoidance relationally, that's secure attachment. That's what we're all looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have high anxiety and low avoidance, that would be anxious attachment. If you have high anxiety and high avoidance, that's ambivalent attachment. Some people hear it as anxious avoidant. Um, And then if you have high avoidance and low anxiety, that would be avoidant attachment. Mm -hmm. And the way that I also speak about that is that so many people, when they hear that, they're like, oh, I'm a this. I'm an anxious attached. I'm an avoidant attached. And then they think the work is done. Okay, I just have to read everything about this one attachment style. And if I read everything about it, I'll master it and I'll change my life and I'll have good relationships. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, hey, we've all been there, right? Yeah, oh, I'm an, we have. I'm an Enneagram 8. I'm a Taurus. I'm a this, I'm a that. And, and this is now going to tell me everything I need to know about myself, right? right. And so um, where I took them very quickly is, well, mm-hmm. if you're anxiously attached, let's say with a boyfriend, right? They could all identify with that or with a partner. Um, Where in your life are you avoiding? Mm -hmm. And then there was this (laughs) energy and and helping them see that energy is neither created nor destroyed. So if you're putting energy in an anxious attachment, if if you're 
you know, over-focusing, over-demanding in this one area of your life such that it's not secure, it's truly anxious, Mm -hmm. you have to take that energy from somewhere else. And when you look at things holistically to bring it back to our whole style of, of coaching relationships, which is holistic, and you think about emotional, physical, intellectual, financial, spiritual, you know, once you start to look at relational, once you start to look at all of those things, so like relationally and emotionally, you might be being anxious, Mm -hmm. right? With this one person or this one situation. Um, You might also be avoidant relationally and emotionally with someone else, but it might show up with your money. It might show up in your home. It might show up with your body. Like I was, we were talking about this the other day, Katie, like I woke up the other morning and I was like, oh, I'm feeling really like anxious in this one area of my life. So I applied my own, my own tools. What I came up with is I'm avoiding my physicality. Like Mm -hmm. my room is a mess. I didn't have any groceries in my refrigerator. Like Mm. I wasn't getting enough sleep. So it was like, okay, yes, I'm anxious over here, but I'm avoiding over here. Anyway, I think I've lost the plot a little bit, but these are all connected. So yeah. No, I think this is all super, super important. So if we we go back to how I kind of started out the podcast, which is like, okay, intimacy into me, you see, it all starts with your relationship to self. You just gave us a really beautiful playground to see okay attachment styles this is the beginning getting to understand the energies that are running through you how you are relating to and connecting with the people around you and how your past experiences are impacting how you're showing up relationally and impacting your ability to build intimacy with others and with yourself right so the 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 depth at which you the depth at which you can see into yourself is the depth at which at which you can see into another. And so I, you, you mentioned a story from another woman at the thing yesterday, and I'm wondering if you could go into that. And I think, you know, which story I'm talking about. Um, but I just wanted to tee that one up because I think it's such a beautiful example of what we're talking about. Um, and her aha moment around, Oh, it starts with me. (laughs) Yeah, there were a lot of those yesterday, but I'll start with the one you're referencing. So um, this person was, so first of all, the way I do this experientially, I Mm -hmm. think is important to set up. So going back to the intimacy spectrum, um, we don't go from no contact to sacred, right? So on the spectrum, if you think about the the lowest form of intimacy is no contact, right? If, yep. you're, if you're not having contact with anyone, you're not having intimacy. Mm-hmm. And the furthest, deepest form of intimacy is a sacred connection. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have to set this up before I go into this activity. Yep. Um, so that sacred connection is where there's unconditional connection, commitment, and capacity yep. available for intimacy and connection. Um what's in between, which is really important. So I'm going to go back to no contact. So you go from no contact to acquaintance, Mm -hmm. which is essentially like very minimal, cordial, formal level of intimacy. So it's somebody that either you have no common ground with and just a passing, you know, hey, what's up, you know, very, very um, minimal connection. From acquaintance, you go to common ground. Now, this form of intimacy is what most people think they don't like, 
-hmm. but it's actually really important and can be really fun. Yeah. So this, this form of intimacy, honestly, is what you're doing most of the time throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And that's also what I think people don't realize is that you have common ground intimacy, even with people that you have sacred and trustworthy intimacy. It's just a, it's just a lighter form of intimacy. So like when you wake up in the morning, let's say you have a partner or a roommate and you're walking around the kitchen, bumping into each other, maybe making each other coffee or talking about breakfast or talking about your day. That's common ground intimacy. So Mm -hmm. it's the form of intimacy that you have with people as related to what you have in common with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that form of intimacy is where you get to know people. Mm -hmm. It's where you get to gather data. It's where you get to get information. It's where you get to learn. What do I like? What do they like? Do we like the same things? Do we like to Mm -hmm. do these things together? Mm -hmm. You know, do we have the same ideas? It's really one of the richest forms of intimacy that people, they, when someone is craving connection, common ground can feel um, limiting or um, like a straitjacket, right? Right. But it's actually this beautiful playground to get to know people. And so I'm just going to jump in here really quickly and we'll get back to the story, folks, I swear. (laughs) But I think this is an important thing to double click on. Um, I think common ground intimacy can be really hard, right? When we have trauma or we have these past experiences that are bumping up against us being in the present moment and our brain likes to focus on things that are wrong, right? The survival mechanism that starts to play out and it gets really hard. Like I I can think about a lot of times within my life where operating within common ground intimacy has been tough for me. What are some of the other, like, why do you think people struggle so much with common ground intimacy? Yeah. So first of all, this goes back to the prompt, right? Which we'll, We'll get there. But the first reason I find that people really struggle with common ground is that it's uncomfortable to stay in common ground when you don't know what your own common ground is. Yes. Right. <laughs> and so what I mean by mm-hmm. that is if you don't know what you like, mm-hmm. if you don't know what your interests are, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with yourself and speaking about yourself, yep. if you're only ever focused on the other, other. Mm-hmm. common ground is unsafe. Mm-hmm. Like, because then you're, it's like, well, I don't want to talk about common ground because I don't know what they like. I don't know what they right. want to do. I, and so instead, people want to jump to sacred and trustworthy, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about here in a minute. And they just want to go straight to, let me tell you these vulnerable things about me yep. so that you'll love me. Mm-hmm. Right? Let me tell you these vulnerable things about me so that I don't have to sit with them. Let me tell Mm -hmm. you multiple things about me so that you can fix this, Mm -hmm. right? And so they create common ground with this information. And sometimes it goes okay. Sometimes you you share this deep stuff with a stranger and nothing bad happens. Right. But the problem is what you're telling your inner parts, what you're telling your nervous system is, I've just made you vulnerable with a stranger. Right. (laughs) And that creates a breach of trust with yourself, mm. right? And potentially could cause harm. If if we share indiscriminately about ourselves with, with strangers, somebody someday is going to betray us or harm us with that information. And mm. I'm not trying to be negative, but that's just, you know, it it's not good discernment to drop into that when you don't know people. So mm-hmm. 
staying in common ground for people is uncomfortable if they haven't taken the time to know who they are mm-hmm. or if the way that they base their relating is based on the other. Yep. One hundred percent. And that is a perfect thing of like, that's exactly why I, I struggled with it is because so much of my life was focused on helping other people all the time that I never really, it was like focusing on other people, getting my work done. And that was pretty much it, <laughs> like making sure I was successful. And so it was like, the only things that I had to talk about were like work and the the crazy shit that was going on in my life, which at the time was really traumatic. And so it was like, there was no room for me to figure out what it is that I loved. And so it's so important that we spend time doing that because it makes our relationship so much easier. Okay. Okay. I'm glad that we double clicked on that. Yeah. Let's keep going. Let me, let me finish the spectrum. Then <laughs> yes. we'll tell the beautiful story. So yes. after common ground, intimacy is trustworthy mm-hmm. intimacy. Now this form of intimacy is practiced um, in situations where vulnerability is either received with empathy, with compassion, with understanding, and or with someone where there is a reciprocal ability to have that kind of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll get into that a little bit more, but but typically this is where, you know, you're accessing courage, you're accessing, you know, maybe shifting out of lower vibrational states of consciousness into higher, you're practicing that in this form mm-hmm. of, of intimacy. Um, it's where you address conflict. It's it's things like that that are that are handled in a way that usually lead to more connection. That that is that form of intimacy. Yeah. Um, and then sacred, I think I already explained. It's yep. really just taking that trustworthy form of intimacy and dropping into this this deeper knowing of that when you're in this form of intimacy, there's like a oneness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why for most people. Well, for all people, I I will actually make this a definitive statement. For all people, sacred intimacy has to begin with the connection with self and the connection Mm -hmm. with whatever they call divine. Amen. Um, Because if you try to practice that with people, you will be disappointed if you've never done it with yourself or you don't have a baseline to go back to that isn't dependent on others. Other people are not unconditionally available. Other people are not unconditionally, um, you know, able to love you that that's a very unrealistic expectation. And I know there's some moms out there who are going to be like, I love my child unconditionally. Yes. And also there are times when you're not available Mm -hmm. and there are times where, um, the connection and the capacity is not there. And and there's nothing wrong with that. No. I think it's such an important thing to say that. Like there is nothing wrong if your capacity is low and you are not available. In fact, speaking to that is what creates deeper intimacy because it gets very confusing if you're like, no, 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 I'm available. And there's something in the field where you're not feeling like they are and you're not feeling fully seen and heard, right? And that actually breaks trust within an intimate container when you can't speak to that. So I just wanted to. Well, and the other thing I want to add again, before we go into the story that I keep promising the audience, (laughs) it's not about, it's not always about how you feel. Right. Okay. So let me, let me clarify what I mean. Yeah. I could love someone deeply, Mm -hmm. like love them deeply, even potentially unconditionally Mm -hmm. and be practicing different forms of intimacy with them. Totally. Right. So I could be, let's say, I'll just use a friend. Mm -hmm. I could have a friend where 
I love them to the moon and back. And we have years of experience and trustworthy and even sacred intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've had those experiences. And then that friend um, gets married and has three kids, right? So in that scenario, it's not that I don't love her. It's not that um, she doesn't love me back. It's nothing bad has happened in this scenario. So I'm using Mm -hmm. kind of like a non- I'm using a less negative scenario to really Mm -hmm. illustrate this point that this person and I still love each other. There's been no betrayal. What has changed is her capacity. Yes. What has changed is her ability to show up and connect and be committed to me because she has other commitments. Mm -hmm. So the connection quality is going to be lower. The commitment's going to be lower and the capacity is going to be lower. So if I call her on a Tuesday And she's been up with a screaming baby all night and she still has to go to work and be there for her her husband and be there for her other kids. And I'm like, Hey, I really need to disclose this like intense thing to you. And I don't give her any heads up or any, it's like, what do I think is going to happen? I'm going to end up feeling abandoned, betrayed, Mm -hmm. neglected, misunderstood because I'm not using discernment around her capacity for connection and commitment Mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. And does that mean that if I called her and said, Hey, I have this big thing I need to share with you because you're one of the important people in my life. Can we make time and space? And, and she may or may not be available for that. And so I'm just using that as an example. I think people get confused when I illustrate the spectrum. They put this judgment of like, but I love this person and mm. they love me. And therefore, like we, she, they belong in sacred intimacy. No, that, that's not what this is. This is about right. practically how do we navigate deepening and lessening forms of intimacy based on the information that we have based on our relationship with ourselves and our ability to show up. Cause that's the Mm -hmm. other thing. Let's say that friend was like, you know what? I'm going to make myself available for you in this moment, even though I don't have it with myself because I've been drained all night. Right. I'm currently basically at common ground with myself. Now I'm putting myself in the other person's shoes. I've been up all night with my baby. I basically, all I can do is get my basic needs met right Mm -hmm. now. So this person is not in sacred intimacy with themselves in that moment, Mm -hmm. maybe, but like in that moment, probably not. They may have lost some trust with themselves because they're like, what did I do? I have all these kids. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, this is moms go through this, right? I mean, dads Mm -hmm. go through it too. Um, And they're picking up the phone and they want to hold space for their friend. Right. But, but, but they They don't have it. Right. And because of that, there there becomes this like breach of trust with themselves yep. or their person. So it's it's not about worthiness or no. love. It's so much more complicated than that. Totally. So have I gone off on too much of a tangent? No, I think I mean it, we are we're in a tangent, but it's an important tangent to make sense of the whole topic, right? Intimacy is a very deep and 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 pretty complex topic because of all these things that are coming up. And it's so important that I think we raise these things to the surface so we can understand and really start to empathize and see into ourselves deeper and see into another deeper. And I think there's no way to build more intimate relationships if these conversations aren't coming up. So yes, tangent and good tangent. (laughs) And also so important, right? Because a lot of this then comes back to presence, right? Like love in my eyes. I mean, there's so many different ways that I can describe 
a love feels, but it's like attention. It's pure presence. And if your capacity is low, it's very difficult to be really present with someone. And if someone is sharing something that is on their heart, like you want to be as present as possible in that moment and speaking to what is interrupting that ability to be purely present is so, 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 so important. And it's not a reflection of the quality of this person or the quality of your connection. It's just the reality. And I think knowing all of these things in relationship back to, you know, we aren't given a rule book or on how to navigate these things in relationship. And so I think it's so important that we're raising these um, different, uh, different landmines that come up when we are navigating relationship and moving across the spectrum. So this whole, this whole uh, explanation started with teeing up a story, which we're yes. going to get to now. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Here we go. Okay. So right, sorry. I, I'm like notorious for, yeah, I'll tell you that story, but let me give you a book of information first. So well, and it's important. So yeah, thank you for doing that. So the spectrum that we're talking about, what I do when I work with groups is I will actually lay it on the floor. And so this is, uh, this is a technique called experiential therapy. Mm-hmm. And um, so each um, part of the spectrum is laid on on the floor. So like there's on the far left is no contact and on the far right is sacred and in between mm-hmm. are the other categories. So this woman was, was sharing like, Oh, I really want to like demonstrate this relationship to you. So I had her get up and I said, okay, stand on the spectrum where you are currently engaging in intimacy with this person. Mm-hmm. So she stood on common ground. And then I said, okay, now move to the spectrum where you believe with as much awareness as you have, where you believe they're engaging with you. And she stayed in the same spot. I said, okay, so what's the challenge? She goes, well, it's not where I want to be. And Mm. I said, okay, so where do you want to be with this person? So she kind of trepidatiously like moved her foot, just one foot into trustworthy. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so you want a deeper connection? And she's Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And so I said, go ahead, go, go and stand in trustworthy. So she stood there and I said, okay, so standing here, what do you think is blocking you from having this with this person? And she didn't really know. And Mm. I said, okay, I want you to pause for a second. Just take a step back. And she took a step back. And I said, now I want you to get back onto the spectrum and show me where you are with yourself today. Mm. And she went and stood on common ground. And then she goes, oh, (laughs) exactly. I said, Mm. you are going to have trouble inviting someone into trustworthy intimacy. It's not that you can't do it, but you're going to have trouble if you don't know what that is with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I said, so what I would encourage you to do is practice that with someone who has that with themselves already. Yeah. She goes, oh yeah, I don't think he has that with himself either. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, we don't know we're not in his brain, but you know, I would venture to guess that if you're saying that it's probably true Mm -hmm. I said, so who do you think might be a good person to practice this with? And she goes, oh, my sponsor or my therapist. And Mm. I was like, exactly. Because there are examples of people who have done the journey to being sacred with themselves. Mm -hmm. So they are good people to practice this form of intimacy with because they understand what it means to be in trustworthy intimacy. And so that's a way for her to grow in that way before she grows with a man she's getting to know. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, I love that story. And so, okay. Sponsors gone through the journey into and in, through intimacy, right? I, I would love to go into some of the things that impact capacity for intimacy. So we've talked about attachment styles. We've talked about mm. current or past trauma. Um, I'd love to hear some others. I'll throw some out. And then I think we can maybe zoom in on a few. Um, obviously, emotional intelligence, emotional quotient come up. Power dynamics, mm. right, come up. Um conflicts of interest come up and all of these things impact your ability to see into yourself and see into another. What are some other examples, Aaron, that you raise for people to start to think about? That so are age, age and phase of life, I think mm-hmm. is a big one that people need to think about because yeah. um, sometimes what I hear when I work with parents is, you know, they have this desire to be in trustworthy or sacred intimacy with a child. Mm-hmm. And that can be okay if, but you have to be very aware of that power dynamic that developmentally, yep. like it depends on that child's capacity mm-hmm. to be in that with themselves. And then there's also the fact that you're an authority figure to them. Yep. Right. Yep. So, so there's all these other things. So it can be okay to practice that. They, what I would recommend in that kind of power dynamic situation is modeling it for that child mm-hmm. and letting them practice it with you, but you not necessarily going to them when you have something unprocessed. Right. To practice that form of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So it's very different if like you as an adult, let's say you've been through something, you've already gotten your support. So you're not practicing it with them to get support from them right but maybe you're sharing it with them as a way to model intimacy mm-hmm. that can be okay um but there's there's that the ethics of the authority power dynamic going on between between a child and a, and a parent such mm-hmm. that you know as a parent you don't want to bring them something sacred or trustworthy that you have not processed yourself first is that making totally sense? yeah that makes total sense um i think that's an important one i think illness disability is important too yeah um you know conditioning is an important thing that comes up um archetypal yeah. roles mm-hmm. yeah we kind of talked about that with the parent already we but did. i think yeah. illness or disability can be really important because you know I have a lot of friends who struggle with addiction. I have mm-hmm. friends that struggle with mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I might have a friend who is typically available for trustworthy or sacred. And I'm noticing, I'll just use bipolar disorder as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're in a little bit of a manic phase, or maybe they have started a new relationship and because they have an attachment disorder, it's activating them in a mm-hmm. certain way that I've noticed their capacity has dropped, right? And so in that situation, um, because I have emotional intelligence, because I have history with that person, it's not, I wouldn't punish them right. and not connect with them. But I might not go to trustworthy and sacred with them just while I'm observing the situation. So I would just stick with the common ground. And I would mm-hmm. still be there for them. I still connect with them. But I would be mindful about what form of intimacy I would go into with them. Totally. And I think that's an important point, right? Because at any given point, like the relational capacity can't exceed the person or the place or the thing at the lowest 
capacity, right? So what you just said is a perfect example of that and not putting too much on the other person that they can't handle in that moment, but still creating space for connection that is at the level of capacity that a person can handle emotionally. What you also just triggered in my memory is also Mm -hmm. the same with group dynamics. So totally. If you walk into a room and there's three people there that are able and available for trustworthy capacity, but there's Mm -hmm. two people there that, you know, only have the capacity for common ground, or you're just not sure you want to stick with common ground intimacy until you get more information. Mm-hmm. And th- this happens to me a lot because I, you know, I'm a Taurus Leo Scorpio. I'm a projector. I'm very intense. My energy mm-hmm. field is very intense. And so sometimes what will happen to me in a group is I'll start connecting one-on-one with someone and I'll either know them or recognize that they have that trustworthy capacity or even sacred capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm able to go there with them with intimacy because of their capacity and our connection and you know whatever I know about them. And I start to go deep into something and then I look around me and I'm like, wait a second, there's like three people here I know nothing about. And mm-hmm. I'm down here like unpacking my deepest, darkest secrets. Right. Or I'm holding space for them to unpack their deepest, darkest secrets, which is also what happens a lot. And I kind of have a moment of like, whoa, Aaron, read the room. You know, right, like, right, right, like right. let's let's match the level of intimacy with what's going on in my environment. So mm-hmm. that's just another thing to consider is like, you know, sometimes conversations are just not as safe in mixed company. Totally. So I think one thing, one last thing that we should dive into before we conclude this episode, because I think we've, there's a lot here. I, I, I remember when I first started hearing about all of this when I didn't know any of it, I was like, Whoa, this is a lot to navigate. So we don't want to throw away too much at people, but I think an important piece just to to hit on is how you do navigate the spectrum, right? It comes down to invitations and boundaries and wondering if you want to share a little bit more about that. I do. And I also think to drive it home, I want to throw the attachment styles back in okay, cool. onto the spectrum. So um, when you want to deepen intimacy mm-hmm. with yourself, with another person that's done through invitation. So yep. that can yep. feel that word is, can feel a little formal. It can be an actual verbal invitation. It can be an energetic or, um, you know, written it. There's lots of different ways to invite someone. So an example would be like, let's say you and I, Katie are getting to know each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might say to you like, Hey, um, I've really loved getting to know you. Would you like to grab dinner sometime? Mm -hmm. Right? So that's an invitation. It can be as simple as that. Or it might be that we have already been hanging out, getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. And um, I start to drop into some information that I hold sacred or that I hold trustworthy. And I'm kind of, I I was using this word a lot with them last night. Like you taste test it. (laughs) Like you put it into the conversation, you put it into the field and you just see how the other person responds to that information. That's an invitation, Mm -hmm. right? Here's this little nugget about me. What are you going to do with it? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I'm not saying that you're playing a game with someone, but it's, it's literally just like testing the field, testing mm-hmm. the connection, seeing seeing where that person takes that. Because what I've noticed is that when I do that, if someone doesn't have capacity, they will redirect. 
Mm-hmm. Right. They'll change the subject. They'll have a weird response. There's lots of different ways that people respond to something when they don't have the capacity or even it could sometimes be the desire to go mm-hmm. there. And it doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. So it's it's important with an invitation to be comfortable with the fact that the other person may not want to go there. Exactly. You know, and not punish someone because they mm-hmm. they rejected the invitation because it's it's not a rejection of you. Mm-mm. It's reflective of just what they're available for. Exactly. So that's how you kind of move towards more depth on the spectrum mm-hmm. um, to move the other way. Most people use boundaries, right? Yep. And again, the boundaries can be verbal, they can be written, they can be energetic, they can be behavioral. There's lots of different mm-hmm. ways to have a boundary. But let's say I'll just use you again, Katie. Okay. We're hanging out, and um, maybe every time I hang out with you, I feel drained, and I mm-hmm. maybe I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I do know why. It doesn't really matter, but I'm just noticing that, right? Yep. And so I'm like, maybe I'll turn down the intimacy that I want to have with Katie or that I want to be available for with Katie. So it might be as simple as, you know, as we're parting ways, you say, oh, Aaron, I'd love to do this again. And we'd maybe been doing something one-on-one. I might just say, yeah, sounds great. You know what? I will see you next week at X function. And I name Mm -hmm. like a common ground situation, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a boundary. I'm just letting that person know, you know what? I'm not available for that next one-on-one connection. Mm-hmm. I'll see you at the at this other time and place. So it can, again, feel, because what Katie did is she gave me an invitation. Yep. And then I responded with a boundary, right? So that can be an example. Obviously, mm-hmm. this topic is really complicated. We could spend two hours talking about yeah. boundaries and invitations, yeah. but that's how you move on the spectrum. Beautiful. And you mentioned attachment styles and how that plays into this. Yeah. So leading into that, Mm -hmm. um, what I would say is that when there is a disparity on the spectrum or there is a disparity in capacity, that's where attachment um, energies can start to show up. If I want to be in trustworthy with someone and I want to have a trustworthy intimacy experience with them and I'm like craving and desiring to have that deeper connection with them, mm-hmm. um, it's possible that like we've talked about, they don't have the capacity for that. They don't have the desire for that. They whatever, maybe mm-hmm. they don't have that with themselves. And so I'm over here wanting that, right? And they're maybe holding me in more common ground intimacy. Yeah. Um, energetically, it's very likely I'm going to be shifting into anxious attachment energy, and they're going to be shifting into avoidant avoidant. attachment energy. Now, if that person wants to have trustworthy with me, but they don't have trustworthy with themselves, I'm probably going to experience them more as the ambivalent, right? Because they're going to be popping up there to try it. And then they're not going to know what to do and they're not going to be comfortable. So they're going to pop back down. Right. Right. So that's where we get into that ambivalent. And same with myself. If I don't have trustworthy and sacred with myself and I'm trying to bring someone up here with me, but I'm not comfortable or or know how to navigate it, I'm going to pop back down. Right. And that's honestly my journey personally through how my attachment styles have changed is that when I didn't have 
when I hadn't done that journey to sacred intimacy with myself, I craved it and I craved it from everyone else. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, I was in a lot of anxious attachment energy when I would Mm -hmm. connect with people Mm because I really wanted to be down there. And I thought I wanted it with them, but I really wanted it with myself. I just wasn't aware of that, right? So Mm -hmm. as I started to heal and move more deeply in intimacy with myself, I started to have more ambivalent with people because I would, I would be able to go there, but then it would freak me out and I'd want to go back. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I had a long journey with that ambivalent attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, (laughs) yeah, now that I have cultivated significant sacred and trustworthy energy, what I have found is now people look at that and they want it. Right. So sometimes people will come at me with some anxious attachment and I'm a little bit avoidant. And Mm. I'm not saying that any of this is good or bad. Like this isn't like, oh, now I've achieved avoidant and no, I still have anxious energy at times with people, anxious attachment energy. I still have ambivalent. I still, I still do all of it. Um, The goal is secure. Yeah. Right. So the goal is to be matching the other person's availability and capacity. And the goal is awareness. Mm-hmm. knowing this is playing out gives you the ability to speak to it if there is that level of int- intimacy available within the relationship. Like being able to speak to what is going on is the whole journey or even just within yourself and giving yourself patience and space and trust and and love in those moments and acting from a conscious place rather than letting that unconscious energy play out and disrupt the relationship or just disrupt the intimacy in the relationship. One of the most intimate acts is to have someone share where they are available for, and then meet them there, no matter what it is that you want. So like, let's say I really want a sacred connection with a partner Mm -hmm. and they come to me and they say, Oh, work has been really hard this week. And, um, you know, I do want to spend time with you, but I just need you to know, Aaron, like I can't have one of those deep Aaron walk conversations. Mm. Like I'm Mm. just not there this week. So could we go to a movie? Could we grab dinner? Could we keep it light? And I say, you know what? I'd really like to connect with you in that place. And I go and I match them in that common ground. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing, I'm just going to give you the end of the book is that what ends up happening is sacred intimacy. Exactly. When you can do that with people when you can honor what they're telling you and where they're at and you let it happen organically, it actually mm-hmm. organically shifts up to deeper intimacy. Totally. Totally. It's beautiful. Um all right, I feel like we covered a lot of the bases, all the positions, <laughs> all the different things that are playing out in here and also we kind of just scratched the surface. So there's probably going to be more episodes on this topic, but I think that we, is there anything else that feels like it needed to, to be shared? Yeah. I just wanted to share, I'm working on a couple of things right now um, Mm -hmm. that I think would be good for our audience to know about. So we're starting to, we have these coaching packages. Mm -hmm. So if you're hearing a lot of this material and you're inspired and you want to make a commitment to yourself to work through the curriculum, um, please reach out to learn more about some of these packages. Yep. Um, and then the other thing is I'm in the process of, I'm about to launch an anatomy of relationship course that you can buy. Um, so if you've been listening along and you're not ready to do coaching or you don't think you want to do coaching, but you do want to know more in depth what it is that we're talking about and mm-hmm. have something take home that you can really study and connect with, um, please be on the lookout for that. I, I would say that'll be out in the next, I don't know, couple of weeks. Yep. 
Um, okay. Now I just gave myself a deadline. <laughs> so yes, that will be, I, I hopefully by the end of May, I'll have that available for people to purchase. So feel free to reach out if you have any questions about that. Mm-hmm. Or if you are listening to any of this, any of our podcasts, and you're like, I wish there was a course on that, you know, let oh, us know because we're in yeah. that, that energy right now where we're wanting totally. to create more materials for people to connect with us. Awesome. Yeah course is great y'all if you liked this topic um it'll give a lot more room for you to play in and learn about yourself and your relationships and the energy that is playing out within you so highly recommend all right so we're gonna end with a question Erin, you ready so we always ask this one name someone in the public eye broadcasting their inner a inspiring you to live your most authentic Oh my gosh, I know exactly who I'm going to say. So um, it was my birthday last weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, happy birthday. Thank you. And the craziest thing happened in February. I was like getting an email from one of my favorite um, folk artists that I've followed a long, long time since I was 18. Mm-hmm. And he was playing on my birthday in my favorite venue in Nashville. Mm. So I am going to say Josh Ritter. Um, if you've never heard of him, please look him up. The reason I picked him and the reason this is so meaningful for me is that he is, if you see him perform and my friends can attest to this because whenever I bring friends to his shows, they're not necessarily fans. They maybe have never listened to his music. Maybe they've heard a song or two when he is on stage. It's like he becomes this ball of energy and light that is so uniquely authentic Mm. in him that you can't not enjoy yourself. Mm. Um, First of all, he's incredibly talented. He's a beautiful lyricist and writer. He's also written books. He's an author. Mm. He's a painter. Um, He plays tons of instruments. He's incredibly talented. His voice is beautiful. Um, But also his presence on stage is so authentic he is smiling. He is bouncing around. And I, I, that was the thing. Like I knew I, I fell in love with him when I was 18 and I saw him perform the first time. And this was when I wasn't necessarily awake to myself, but now all these years later and knowing what I know and what I do now, watching him on Saturday perform, I was like, it hit me. It was like, oh, I'm drawn to his inner radiant, authentic energy. Like it is blasting, blasting off the stage. Mm-hmm. And I've been following him for all these years. And it's not, I mean, listen, his music is great. It's not that it's the best music that's ever been created, right. but it's because he is broadcasting his inner ray. And it was one of the first examples of that, that I had ever seen. Mm. And I've just been in love with his process and his music and his craft ever since. So mm. um, Josh Ritter, thank you. <laughs> and um yeah that's that's who i and i have actually met him but i won't tell that story because it's mm. a it's a whole other story potentially a whole other episode but um yeah that's my answer i love that artists have such a way of awakening within ourselves that energy that we all crave to live from so i love that story and Reminds me of a couple different artists in my life that have guided me to this point and just the gratitude I feel for that. So, oh, what a great episode. Thank everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, And we will see you again.
next week. Absolutely. Thank you for for listening and feel free to share this episode with your friends. Uh, give us a, a, a five-star review if you enjoy it. Um, you know, any, any sharing you're able to do helps us grow and we mm-hmm. can get this message out to more people. So, all right. See you all next right. week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Our mission is to empower people to live their most radiant, authentic lives. If this sounds exciting to you, join our community by subscribing to our podcast, joining our email newsletter, following us on social media, or sending us a message to find out more. We would love to hear from you. See you next week.